Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight here on Fightful.com. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by Steven Jensen. Jensen, are you hurt? Are you injured? Is everything okay? Are all your parts working correctly? I'm okay, but I'm going to mute myself because I feel like I'm about to sneeze. And now I'm not <laughs> going to sneeze. Jensen has the sniffles. He's going on IR with the sniffles. He's going to be out two to three months there we uh, go. With, with the with the sneezing sniffles for Steven Jensen. No, uh, no. Everybody's no. getting injured, Jensen. Everybody's hurt. Yeah, so it's crazy. It is crazy. Like, not only are people getting hurt right now, it's like the champions of, like, all these companies are getting hurt, which is crazy. If if I if I get injured since since I carry this this whole company I carry this whole website on my back I do have lower back pain I don't know what that's from but I, I assume it is from carrying this company carrying this website uh, so when I have to go get back surgery for for carrying Fightful hopefully Jimmy Van will pay for it and yeah, all the top guys are getting hurt so I assume I will be on the IR pretty soon we got to turn down injury sliders. We gotta, we gotta just ban injury. We gotta turn them off. Too many injuries in the world of pro <laughs> wrestling, and like you said, it's all the top guys: CM Punk, AW Champion, Cody Rhodes, who is pretty much the face of WWE at this point, especially with Roman not working too much. Uh, Matt Cardona, who NWA World Heavyweight Champion, also kind of the face of the independence right now. Danielson's a little banged up, but it sounds like he's gonna work. Um, Kenny Omega is still out. I just forgot about him, but he's still out. Everybody's injured. Steven Jensen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You just went through the list. That's, that's pretty much what I was saying when like, you know, all these top guys are out right now, but wrestling's in a pretty good space when like, like a company like AEW, for instance, like they lose their champion, but like the show's not going to really get any worse. It's kind of crazy. Like how stacked some of these, some of these shows are, some of these rosters are WWE is a different story. Like we'll talk about that with Cody because like, they kind of built the whole thing on Cody now, especially with Roman taking less dates. And I mean, the only reason Cody, I, I should say the only reason, because <laughs> I'm sure he wanted to do it, but like that Hell in a Cell match, like he's the poster, he's the main event, he's the Hell in a Cell match. Like he kind of has to do the match. And it's a lot of it has to do with the fact they don't have anyone else that they can they could rely on in that spot right now. Like that it's Roman and then it's Cody and that's, and then there's the women, you know, like the women killed it. I thought the, the opening triple threat was a really, really, really damn good match. But like, you know what I mean though? It's one of those things like star power wise, someone like Cody goes out and Roman's not on the show and it's like, there's, 
think Cody's just got to go out there and get it done. You know, it's like AEW, if this happens, they the guy that wrestler can just take time off and they just plug in someone else because they're they're pushing more than one, you know, just one person at a time. Let's start. Let's start with Cody Rhodes. There were reports on, I guess it was Sunday afternoon that he was injured. He tore his pec. Uh, was the the word going around? I'm pretty sure is how it was phrased. And then during the pre-show, it was confirmed that he tore his pec. WWE is framing this as, and I don't know if this is the truth or not. And if it is, Cody Rhodes is a lunatic. They're framing it as he got injured and it was a partially torn pec from the brawl that he did with Rollins on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And then they said he decided to work out, and that's when it just fully ripped off the bone. So what <laughs> they're trying to tell me is it was partially torn on Monday, and this man said, I have a partially torn pec. Instead of resting, letting it heal, icing it up, son, I'm just going to lift a bunch of weights. I'm going to try to bench press 400 pounds or whatever. I'm going to do my curls and my my dips and whatever these weight trainers do. I don't have muscles. I don't know. But that's what he decided to do with a partially torn pec. And of course it ripped off the bone. You lunatic Cody Rhodes. So that is how they are framing it as he, he's a crazy person. He's kind of an idiot if this is true. Just like rest, dude. Rest up. All right? You don't need to do a bunch of weight training. Ripped off the bone. They confirmed the injury. They said he's still going to work. So he comes out. He's got his jacket on. You can tell he's not moving his right arm too much. He gets in the ring. He takes his jacket off. And his whole right side just bruised all to shit. Uh, and this is what happens when you have a torn pec. Triple H posted a photo after he tore his pec uh, after Crown Jewel. And, like, this is what it looks like. It's not makeup or anything like that. So it's all it's all gone to hell, his right side. He works through the match and, of course, gets attacked. It's not something you can just ignore. And, again, uh, this lunatic, Cody Rhodes, is doing all these bumps on his right side. He's taking kendo stick shots, uh, just, like, He's doing all this stuff, just banging himself up even more. And maybe, maybe it is one of those things where it's like, it can't get any worse. It's a torn peck. So it's like, go out there, do what you need to do. You can't make this injury worse. And I assume that's what the case is. But he still wrestled. He not only wrestled, he won. I thought this would have been an easy out of, hey, Seth Rollins wins. Cody Rhodes was, he had a torn peck. You can give Seth Rollins the big capper here. Cody has the excuse of the injury of why he lost and everything. Cody's going to miss some time. He comes back stronger. Nope. Cody still won. They're all in on the Cody Rhodes train here. They're all in on the Cody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that for sure. Um, I thought it was interesting too throughout the kickoff show, which by the way, that kickoff panel is like, it made me less excited for the show. Like they saw, oh, I don't watch that shit. It's oh, it's awful. bad. It's bad. Like with like Jerry Lawler and Booker T and Rosenberg and those guys, like it just, it just isn't a good kickoff show. Um, cookoff panel, I should say. Um, but I remember what, while I was watching that and then throughout, throughout the show, it was weird because they all had this, this statement they had to read like verbatim about Cody's injury. So you just heard the same thing like 10 different times where someone would be like, Cody was initially injured during the brawl with Seth Rollins on Raw. And then he went to weight train. And while weight training, he tore his pectoral right off the mode, right off the bone. But because of the man that Cody Rhodes is, he's going to compete in the main event. Like it was like the same exact can statement from multiple commentators throughout the night. And I was like, 
this sounded very strange just hearing someone read the same thing over and over and over again and different people reading the same thing over and over and over and no one could just give like an honest opinion on like how they felt about it or put their own words to it it was just this one canned statement that everyone just kept reading all night but then the match itself you know the match itself i thought was awesome that was one of the best WWE matches i've seen in a long time yeah and you know and for cody to go out there and 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 do what he did it's like you said i mean they're all in on cody and they're not gonna they didn't want to change course based on the injury which i'm fine with obviously i mean because i want them to inevitably and eventually have cody be the guy to beat roman but um obviously he's gonna need some time off now and i think that's why on monday they had rollins do the whole kendo stick thing like the kind of adding insult to injury because Cody had to, Cody's going to take time off either way at this point to, to heal that, that tear. So I feel like they figured, well, Rollins lost the feud. He lost all three matches, but we can still keep him in like a main event level spot and still keep the heat on him. If he's kind of the reason that Cody, it's one of those things where the fan base didn't need to see that because we know Cody's injured, obviously, but for the sake of Rollins not coming out as like a complete loser on the other end of this feud, he at least got some sort of one up on Cody on the way out of the feud. And I don't think that they're going to continue it by the way. I I hope they don't. I think at some point down the line, maybe like by like WrestleMania next year or something, we see Cody and Seth going back at it. But I think this was just a way for Seth to like, just get some sort of W over Cody before Cody had to, had to take time off. And, but I think there's a lot of people, myself included, that are concerned that like when Cody comes back, is it just going to be another Seth Rollins match? I feel like the answer to that is no. I, I think this was mainly done just to keep like some heat on Seth, like before Cody had to leave. So we got Cody, something out of it. Cody, the way he's talking, he's going to be back for money in the bank. He, he had the, the briefcases were up there. He's like, I know I'll see you in four weeks. This man's going to come out there and do, do a ladder match. In four weeks. He's, he had surgery today, I believe. It was either yesterday or today. Um, I think WWE said it was today, but Sean Rossap reported that. Or WWE said it was Wednesday. Sean Rossap reported that it was Thursday. I'm going to trust Sean over WWE. Um, but Cody sounds like he's just going to be back in four weeks and still do this Money in the Bank match. He's, he's a crazy person. I don't know what he's thinking. Somebody might need to save him from himself, but he wants to go out there and give it it all. It doesn't seem like Roman is going to be working on money in the bank now. So they need something for this show. Cody was a big part of the advertisement. I know they think money in the bank is like a draw, but clearly by the fact that they couldn't sell out Allegiant stadium, they couldn't even come close to selling out Allegiant stadium. And they had to move uh, venues for this show to a smaller venue kind of shows that like money in the bank, this name alone ain't a draw like it's WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble or even like SummerSlam. It's sh- it's not like you need some actual talent on this thing. And they don't like they they doesn't seem like they're gonna have Roman. Doesn't seem like they Cody is crazy enough where they might have him, but I wouldn't expect him if I'm if I'm fans. I wouldn't go in thinking like, oh, Cody's definitely gonna be on this show no matter what he says. Um, but it sounds like he wants to do it. Regardless, and I think he could. JJ says, you know, pull Brock Lesnar, and like I think that could be a way to do it. But I don't think Cody wants to do that. I don't think Cody wants to come in last minute to win this briefcase. I think he wants to go in there, take some stupid bumps, fall off the ladder onto the outside through a table, through barbed wire, through fire, whatever. I think that's what Cody wants to do 
in this match, whether or not he, he gets a chance to do it. I don't know, but, but if he says he can do it, Vince probably like, ah, sure. Whatever, pal, we need something here. And that that's going to be that. But Cody, absolute lunatic for, for all of this. And Seth, yeah, it keeps some heat on him for the Cody thing. I don't think they're going to go back to it immediately. I suspect they'll get back to it at some point, but I don't know why he's beat this man three times. Move on, be done with it. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. And, you know, I think as much as WWE needed Cody to do this, because I think WWE needed Cody way more than Cody needed WWE as far as like when it came to the money, the uh, how on a self pay-per-view. Like if Cody would have been like, hey, I need the night off, Vince, I think would have been like, what are we going to do? Like you're the poster, you're the hell in a cell match against, I mean, it's the name of the pay-per-view. Like we, we have no Roman, like it, it, but I think Cody has this mindset of like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and push he's getting right now. And I don't think he wants to give the company any reason to believe that he isn't the right guy to, to carry the company on his back. Because when you look at it, you look at a, guy like, at a John, guy like John Cena, for instance, who had a torn pec and was back in like three or four months. I remember that huge return at Royal Rumble and everyone was like, what? How is he back so soon? You know? And uh, and I think that's kind of what Cody wants is like he wants to be their John Cena for, you know, the next handful of years. Like he wants to put the company on his back. He wants to be the top baby face in wrestling. And, you know, so I think he has this mindset of like, I'm not letting anything get in my way of that. Like whether it's an injury or what, like I'm, I'm going to wrestle injured if I have to, like, I'm, I know where this is heading and I don't want to give them any reason to, to change their mind. And I think that probably scored huge points with Vince as well. Cody going out there and doing that match. And I also, I've heard uh, multiple uh, professional athletes, like NFL players and stuff talking about Cody's performance at Hell in a Cell. I heard McAfee talking about it as well. And that's the 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 credit and the props that these athletes are giving Cody is it's really cool to see because there's guys like AJ Hawk who had that same injury that have talked about they're like how the hell did he even wrestle with that they're like they're like we've had torn I, you know NFL players that have had torn pecs talking about it and being like this is unreal to watch footage of this man wrestling with this because like it's like when I had this and I played football like I was out for the season like I couldn't even move my arm. Like, how is this man doing this? And granted, I'm sure they shoot him up with some stuff and like the adrenaline gets to you. That man was on, he doesn't remember what happened. That man was on so many drugs. And I think McAfee said like, you don't want to shoot him up too much. But Cody Rose, zombie Cody Rose is out there in a comatose state. He didn't feel anything. I hope he took a bunch of, I hope he, I know McAfee wasn't there. I hope McAfee left him a bunch of edibles there and stuff. He just popped a bunch of those things in there. Didn't feel anything because like if he felt something, it, that shit had to hurt. I can't. I really can't imagine what what he was going through. So hopefully they shot him up with some good stuff. He took some good stuff, and he just he just coasted through. He was <laughs> he was floating through the night. I I think it's also kind of one of those like scenarios where like a mom picks up a car to save like her kid underneath the car or something type scenario. Just like <laughs> it's just one of those like unexplainable just like feats of heroicism that cody displayed i'd I'd hell in a cell he's got the kid now he's got little liberty who's going to be the president of the united states uh in i don't what 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 do you gotta be like 35 or something i don't know how old you have to be she's gonna be the president of the united states in the next in the coming decades everything kids will make you do some crazy things okay when you when you have that kid and you're you're fighting for the kid Cody's probably like, look, I got to do this right. Yeah. I think Brandy even said that, like he went out there and now if my daughter is like, I can't do this, I can't do that. 
I'm going to show her this is what your dad did at WWE Hell in a Cell. You can do whatever the hell you want. All right. If your dad can go out there with a torn peck wrestling like that, you can do anything you want to do. So kids will make you do some dumb shit. Kids and yeah. edibles. You can do anything. You can do anything <laughs> in the world, everybody. That's all you need in life. Kids and edibles. Oh my God. I was going to say we should put that on a t shirt, but that's going to send a real weird message to a lot of people, I think. <laughs> But that's a that's funny. Kid, kids and edibles will make you make you make some crazy decisions, um, yeah. or make some crazy choices. You you want to help your kids, so you're gonna do anything you can for your kids. Edibles is just YOLO life. Like you just, you know, <laughs> just don't know what's gonna happen. Um, but uh, Joel yeah says he he would uh, recently jumped off a bridge for his kid. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't have children. I know, I know you got some kids now, Jeremy, and I know that uh, Joel does. There's a lot of people in the chat that do SP3. I see, I see all y'all in here. Um, I don't, but it's one of those things where, like, that's a big reason why I don't have children, at least right now, is because I know the moment I have kids, I'm no longer the most important person in my own life, and I'm, and I just, I, I, I'm a little too selfish and too immature, I think, to to take on that responsibility at this point in my life. And when I become a parent, I want to be in a position where like my kid, like that's my whole thing is like, I think to be a good parent, you always have to put your kids first. And um, that's why I think so many are great parents, you know? And I, and I think that this is very true. I think it's the same kind of thing with Cody where not only with the hell in a cell match, but probably a big motivation for him going back to the WWE. They probably offered him a really, really a ton of money, a ton of creative freedom. And he's going to be able to show his kid like I was the top wrestler in all the wrestling around the time you were born. I mean, like there's a lot of cool stuff that Cody gets to accomplish now and show his daughter. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, uh, I, I can't imagine. I, 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 I should say I can't personally imagine because I haven't been through it, but I understand the concept of like, once you have kids that like priorities change and uh, you got to do what you think is going to be best for them. And I think that Cody's doing that right now. Cody Rose is a crazy person. I don't know. Uh, I mean, bless him for for doing that match as it was because he probably shouldn't have done it. Uh, he probably did feel he needed to. I you, you make a good point of like he he felt he needed to because he wants to carry the company like a John Cena who's coming back. By the way, can't wait. My guy, the goat, John Cena coming back at the end of the month. Unfortunately, it's probably going to lead to a match with Theory, which is no fun. But what can you do? At least he's coming back. Um, but yeah, he probably feels he needed to do it because he's the face of the company right now. He doesn't want to let anybody down and bless him for it. Bless him. He's a, he's a crazy person and hopefully it doesn't shorten his career or make things worse or anything like that. And hopefully he is rewarded through all this because there is a very real chance of Vince just being like, hey, cool, thanks. And then in three months, forgetting that any of this ever happened and, and moving <coughs> on. To, to something else or something different. So I hope that the this act by Cody Rhodes is not forgotten by those really across the board in WWE. And people realize like, this is a lead by example moment for Cody. And people are like, oh shit, if Cody did this, maybe I can do a little bit more too. Yeah, well, and not only just, I, I hope Vince doesn't forget, of course. I hope the fan base doesn't either because- all you AEW fans, and I'm one of them, except I wasn't oh, with wow. y'all on this. 
Call out the I, AEW marks, Steven. I will. I will. They this this is deserved. Okay. I'm a I, I say it all the time, and it's I'm fine that people know I'm biased. AEW, I think, is the best pro wrestling company in the world. I love it. I watch every dynamite live. I I have FOMO when I miss AEW. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like I need to watch everything live. I, I love the company, I love the roster. I really like what Tony Khan's done. I like that there's a smart mark running the company who has a billion dollars. Like I I I I love AEW, but all you fans out there, all you people, y'all booed Cody out of his own company because you couldn't accept him as a babyface, and now he's the biggest babyface in the industry in the other company, and they seem to be loving it. You know what I mean? Like, why did y'all have to do this to this man? I, I hate that this has happened because this should have been Cody in AEW doing this. Like, now WWE gets it. AEW should have had it, and that's on y'all. You know, I think that part of it is Cody, like, really wanting to go back to the WWE. I think he has multiple prerogatives and reasons to want to go back to the WWE. It isn't just the fan base. But I guarantee you that was a part of the, the, the decision-making process of him being like, why would I stay? Like, all these people are booing me. I'm not doing anything to get booed, or at least in his own mind. He's not doing anything to get booed. And he wants to be a babyface. And WWE is letting him have his AEW babyface push, but in the WWE, and it's working tremendously and he's clearly the successor to Roman Reigns. He's clearly going to be like their John Cena for the next handful of years because Cody's still only like thirty-five or thirty-six. Like AEW had it; it was right there. It was for it was for the fan base and y'all. I mean, granted, they booked themselves into a corner with like Cody not winning, the, being able to win the AEW World Title, and there, there was there was multiple factors in this. But once again, I just got to call it the fan base. I, I'm one of y'all. I love y'all. I love AEW. I love the AEW fans. But like the way y'all turned on Cody. Look what he's doing over there. Like, you can't tell me y'all don't feel like you messed up. I'm sorry. Call out the fans. Call out that. These are MJF words, not mine. Call out that fucking Mark Tony Khan didn't realize what was in front of him with Cody Rhodes wanting to pay Brian Danielson, wanting to pay CM Punk, wanting to pay Keith Lee and Swerve Scott and, and Mark Henry and Big Show. Buddy Matthews and Christian <laughs> yeah. and Mark Henry and Big Show wanting to pay all these guys while Cody Rhodes, who built that company on his blood, sweat, tears, and fire... They kicked him to the curb. They didn't let him do what he wanted to do. The the AEW Mark fans, the AEW Mark owner, just forgot what Cody Rhodes did for that company, what he did it all in when he took the bet for Dave, from Dave Meltzer. He took the bet, and if he doesn't take that bet, AEW doesn't even happen. And they were just like, oh, sorry, Cody, get out of here. This new ex-WWE person just got released. We're going to pay him more than you. All right, Cody, sorry, buddy. They, they forgot where they came from, AEW. The Marks, fire me, Tony Khan. I'm begging you. <laughs> yeah, well, a Ashra says it in the chat. That's I, I can't pull the comments up because I'm not logged in right now. But I, that's my that's one of my biggest just like that right there. That pisses me off so much. That Cody versus Sting was right there, and they figured they had all the time in the world to do it, and now Cody's not there anymore. And I'm feeling the same way with, I'm not going to go into the whole MJF thing. Cause that's a whole other, um, it's a whole other topic, you know, that, that would take an entire, we, we've talked about MJF a lot on here, but the MJF situation reminds me a lot of the Cody Rhodes situation in certain ways, because I was not convinced Cody was actually going back to the WWE until he showed up at WrestleMania. Like no matter all the reports that were out there and everything, I didn't believe it until I saw it actually happen. 
with MJF, I feel like this is a really, really, really well done work and the, the fans have bit. And I think this is like one of the most interesting kind of Brian Pillman, loose cannon type scenarios that like we could possibly get in 2022. But the problem is I thought that was what was going on with Cody too. And then Cody actually did just bail and go to the WWE. So like now I'm thinking like, that's what has me so concerned about MJF is like, part of me is like, is this all big work because it's a, it's a Mark wrestling owner and a lifelong wrestling fan. And they want to do something that like really blurs the lines and it's the right kind of character to do it being MJF, how he sticks to kayfabe and all this stuff. And is this just like the best work we've seen in a long time or is MJF like really just trying to get out and go to the WWE like Cody did, you know, like I really don't know. So, um, so yeah, I, I, well, once again, I, I want to stress, I can't stress this enough. I think Cody's performance at Hell in a Cell was absolutely incredible. It's something we should be talking about for a long time going forward. And I also want to give credit to Seth Rollins because this wasn't all a one-way road. Rollins had to work his ass off as well. Rollins is a world-class performer. He has been his entire career back from the Tyler Black days all the way through now. He's always been a great in-ring worker. Um, I can, I can, you know, or the fan base, I should say, can sometimes view him as like an a or a WWE shill and this or that. And it's like, I really don't care at the end of the day because the guy goes out there and he performs. And um, I thought that he deserves a lot of credit for the match with Cody as well. I think they both deserve all the credit in the world for pulling off something. They, they, they could have had so many shortcuts for that. Cody's arms injured. They could, they were in a hell in a cell. They could have had people run in there. They could have had them use the cell. They could have had, they could have done a whole lot of shortcuts and stuff. Instead, like they went out there, they had a badass match that I think the fans really need to respect uh, Cody and Rollins both for for that performance. I'm not sure Seth Rollins has won on pay-per-view this year. I'm actually pretty sure, premium live event, sorry. I'm actually pretty sure he hasn't. Uh, But his performances in every single premium live event have been great like his character work the, the fiance loves it loves the loves the laugh and everything the the cackle that he has um he's, he's been a good performer this year like credit to the man it'd be nice if he could pick up a win or two but as far as performance goes on the mic as a character and in the ring on the the premium live events uh he's been great so he's gonna have to carry this company right now because roman and unfortunately they booked him very strong when it comes to wins and losses but roman's gone for the time being Randy's out right now. Uh, Cody is going to be out. Rollins is going to have to be the guy for them, and they got to book him a little bit stronger because they ain't got much else uh, beyond him. I, what they're what they're trying to do is going to go into my spotlight. Stephen Jensen, I would like an apology. I would like a celebration from everybody. Everybody celebrate <laughs> that I have been saying for years, at least a year. I've been calling Edge's return. I've been calling him a little bitch. I've been saying this return ain't working. It ain't doing anything. I think this is actually 2020. When did he return? He returned in 2020, right? Pandemic. Yeah, 20, pandemic yeah right. Right. But like right as the pandemic was starting pretty much at that yeah. Royal Rumble. Yeah. He's been a little bitch. It ain't, it, it hasn't done anything. And then what happened? He gets his little group. It gets his, the judgment day. You gotta have the, the, in there and i don't want sean ross app getting you know mis misreported here like is what's been happening so on on monday the judgment day they, they kicked edge out of the group and finn balor is now the new leader with with priest and rhea ripley and sean ross sap reports we're told that wwe had mentioned uh taking judgment day at a supernatural route which Edge was said to have been opposed to. Probably smart, honestly. 
Word yeah. started to emerge in the afternoon, hours ahead of uh, Raw. That big shift involving Finn Balor and Edge was set to happen. Uh, although that was firmly set on Monday, the pitch that Balor, as a member of Judgment Day, came well before that. Sources indicated that the week prior that Balor set to turn heel and join the group before Hell in a Cell, there's no mention of Edge leaving the group at this point. It's not known if again, Sean Sean Rossap doesn't don't don't misreport him here, everybody. It isn't known if Edge being like, yeah, I'm doing the supernatural shit. Is that led to him being kicked out? I don't know. I don't know where Judgment Day goes. I, I, I'm lying if I say if they're going this supernatural stuff, I'm going to care too much. I think Finn Balor is more interesting as the leader than Edge because Edge was doing nothing for me. Absolutely nothing. Um, and then with Balor, at least there's something there. I like Finn Balor as a heel, him leading a group. That's worked before. Uh, but if they're doing spooky shooting, if they're wizards, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> What what the real point here is that I've said Edge's return was a bust. I've said he's been a little bitch. I am right. What has this man accomplished since returning? Name me one good thing Edge has done since returning. He did this group and it got taken away within two months. Somebody tell me what Edge did well in his return. He won the Royal Rumble from number one, didn't he? A couple years ago. Oh, yeah, I think they made him number one, even though he was originally supposed to be number two because they wanted him to win as number one. Cool. He won a Royal Rumble in front of a bunch of LED screens. Congratulations, (laughs) buddy. (coughs) Sure. Well, I just want to throw that out there because, like, that's really all I could think of that was, like, really – I mean, he's had a couple good matches since he's been back. I'll give him credit. It was a Rollins match he had that was really good, wasn't it? Like, with the – in a Hell in a Cell? That's all Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is proof. He got a stupid haircut. That haircut sucks. Well, well, that's the other thing, too, is like he got this haircut. He got new uh, theme music, a new Titan Tron. He did the Gangrel entrance. Everybody loved that. He played off the past so we could do the the Gangrel entrance. Cool. He used the nostalgia pop. Great. Yeah, that 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 was actually pretty badass. So I'll give them credit. Like the Gangrel entrance, the first time that he that he did that in like, you know, a long ass time was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, yeah, Joel saying Edge and Rollins in the Saudi cell, like that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, Seth but Rollins anyway, had a no. good hell in a, yeah, Seth Rollins had a good hell in a This show is sponsored by Better Help. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but The question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. 
That's betterhelp.com slash Fightful. Cell matching, it's a man with one tit. So I'm not surprised he had a good hell in a cell match with Edge. True. Okay. The, the, I, I'm not disputing this. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm, I understand your point. Out of the last, you know... All Edge praise. <laughs> but, so it's just... So this is baffling, right? So I... I only watch WWE pay-per-view or, or premium live events. Um, that's, you know, that's pretty well known. I talk about that all the time. And that's why I think WWE has been a lot more enjoyable for me recently is because I just watch it once a month and they catch me up with the video packages. And unless it's something we're going to talk about on this show, like I'll go out of my way to watch something that we want to talk about for the spotlight. But outside of that, I'm not sitting through a three hour raw and a two hour SmackDown every week and all that stuff. But because I was one. So when I was watching the pay-per-view, I was like, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the show for the most part. I really did. Um, I thought the matches were good. The stories were good for the most part. But when I was watching the Judgment Day match, obviously I, I noticed, okay, Edge pins Finn Balor to win that match for their team. And then on Raw on Monday, you know, I found, I, I, I made sure to go to my way to watch this. So we, I knew what I was talking about here, of course. But like, so when, I don't understand how there's any logical reasoning in the idea of like edge being the leader of the group. He pins Finn Balor to win for the team. He's done pretty much nothing but win since judgment day has been around. He's like, he won the AJ feud. He, he just won the previous night. He got the pinfall. And for some reason, the story is like, Edge just isn't getting it done for us. So we want the guy who he pinned to be our leader. Now it's like, what? You know, like, yeah, like, does, doesn't make any logical sense. The, the the real reason, most likely, is what we were just saying. What Sean's reporting is like Cody's out. They're scrambling for any sort of babyface that the fans recognize, and they they probably needed to turn Edge babyface just immediately. Um, and I think for the main event on Monday too, like Judgment Day came out with like Edge's music and Edge's Titantron and stuff because they probably made this decision to, to change Judgment Day like right before the show happened or, or during the show. I mean, it, ha- it was clearly a very last minute thing to do. Um, now, as far as Bauer being a part of the group, like I don't have an issue with that. And I think they're going to continue to add members, I'd imagine. But like the logical thinking behind it just doesn't. Now, now once again, I say this the all logic, the time. The logic mm-hmm. is Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley are losers and so they want to be associated with a loser like finn balor edge was winning too much for this <laughs> priest is priest was losing a bunch and then he joined edge and then rhea ripley was losing a bunch and then she joined and then edge won he's like wait a second this guy's actually like winning matches we can't have that <laughs> everybody's just a big old loser on raw so it's like balor lost and they're like all right losers unite let's do some oh. magic everybody it's like that South Park episode, The Losing Edge, where they where they all are playing That's baseball. Cool. Yeah, they're yeah. they're trying to not have to play baseball all summer, so they're trying yeah, to lose, but all but, but, yeah, like Leases. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, but all the other teams are trying to lose too, because all none of the other teams all they, they don't want to play all summer either. So it's just like big a big tournament of people trying to lose and just play worse so that they don't have to keep playing. Um that kind of reminds me of actually wants to right. really wrestle, they just want to lose. I know Ripley won in the main event. <laughs> uh jj but she was losing a bunch before that before she joined with edge again they they all these losers they they were winning with edge they can't have that so now they gotta lose a bunch again right magic and shit i can't wait to see what this supernatural stuff 
goes. I hope Finn Balor is like mixing, throwing stuff into witch pots and stuff. They're casting spells on everybody. Great. Give me the dumbest shit possible with this group. Yeah. Well, it could, we could see, we could see, I have no idea what they're, what they're planning on doing with this, but I will say this. And I say this a lot, kind of as a blanket statement about a lot of the WWE creative. And I just got to keep it consistent here. If I was six, which is like a lot of their fan base, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't even be questioning it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's their mindset. It's just like our fan base is so young and so like, just so in love with our product that like, we can just do stuff and like, it doesn't have to make sense. And if, and if a bunch of 30 year old wrestling fans like me and you don't understand it, they just don't care. Cause we're not really their, their target audience anyways, unless except for Cody, Cody is our, Cody is their key to our demo. Like 100%. Like they're letting us know when he's going to be on the show. Hey, if you're 18 to 49, come watch Cody. We know he's your guy, but everyone else, it's just not going to make sense because it's for six-year-olds. So I, I, you know, that's even Jensen. Steven Jensen says WWE only appeals to idiotic six-year-olds. I didn't call them idiotic. I just said that they're you did. You said you said if I was six, I probably wouldn't understand it, and it doesn't matter. You're calling these six-year-olds idiots who don't question any of it. It's because when like when I was six, I was watching. Uh, you know the tax the taskmaster Kevin Sullivan and and Dungeon of Doom trying to destroy Hulkamania. Yeah, that, that was one of the worst storylines ever. But no, like when we were great. six, it ruled. You know what I mean? Like that's that's my whole point. Is like it it ruled. Like I when I started watching wrestling, I thought that Kevin Sullivan was like the biggest heel in wrestling history. Like I didn't know any different. Like I I didn't know like how big of a deal Ric Flair was back in the day or or, or any of this kind of stuff. Or Roddy Piper in the WWF before I was watching like. So for me, it was Kevin Sullivan. And like, I was all in on like Ming and the Barbarian. And when the, when the giant debuted and, and all that stuff, the, when, when Hulk, when Hulk Hogan was trying to find the dungeon of doom and he touches the water, he's like, Oh, it's not hot. You know, like, all that, like, like, I, like I remember, like, I remember all of these things and remember thinking they were good because I was, I mean, I was, this, I was probably 1994 and I was born in 88. So I was literally probably like six years old watching this stuff. So that's, that's when I, that's why I give some some leeway and some sympathy to like the WWE creative and what they're doing because like if you're that age you're not you're not watching it being like wait a second Edge pin Balor and all of them are losing but they're complaining about it. they're just sitting there going Balor's a bad guy now Balor's with Judgment Day and then like they just tune in the next Monday you know they don't they're not gonna like question it beyond that probably so let me tell you these six year olds they don't have the attention span for this stuff okay. They, they don't care at all about this. You're you're right. These idiotic six-year-olds, you can just do a bunch of turns and twists and turns. I watch these cartoon shows. These cartoon shows don't make any sense. We got we got we got young kids. They they watch their their there's you ever watch Steven Universe? Anybody in the chat you watch is. Steven? None of these shows make sense. They don't that they don't care. They just see their flashing lights and uh powers and whatnot doc mcstuffins she's fixing up like toys there's no logic to any of these shows peppa pig peppa pig's the dumbest show in the world and yet these little kids they enjoy the shit out of it they they have no sense of what's going on. like cool british accents we love it uh they she, she's a pig her dad everybody's mean to each other on this show none of these shows make any sense but you're right the idiotic six-year-olds they love it so it works yeah, so the fiance. Yeah. All right, she she can either hear me. She's watching the show. I don't know. Can I? I'm gonna let the little kid watch wrestling, and I'm gonna have her. 
Slacker says Doc McStuffin has no degree. Exactly. How's she just she just got a medical license to fix up toys? What school that's did she go hilarious. to? to I've never heard of this, but toys. like this, I I'm yeah, that's funny. A doctor for toys. Okay. Yes. Doc Doesn't make any sense. I'm gonna see if I can let the the, the, the little one watch some wrestling, and I'll, I'll have her take notes, and I'll read the notes next week. She's not going to let the, she's not gonna let her appear on air, even though our ratings would go sky high. She's the cutest little kid in the world. Uh, but I'm going to see if she's going to take notes and see if we can read the notes on air. Let her watch some wrestling. And we'll, we will get notes from an idiotic child. She's not an idiot. But but Steven Jensen's words, idiotic children. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This, <laughs> but, but it's funny because, like, you mentioned all this, like, all this current day stuff, like, Doc McStuffins and what was the other one? Steve something. What uh, was the other show that Steven Universe. Universe? Um, but it's like when we were growing up, like we had Power Rangers, and like Power Rangers was incredible, right? Like it was huge. I still collect Power Rangers stuff to this day, like Mighty Morphin only, because you know, I'm you know, but <laughs> I but I but my point is if I try to watch Power Rangers now. It's terrible. I'm like, this is like so cheesy and corny and just nonstop. But it's like, it's just hitting the sensors in a little kid's head over and over and over again. It's the fighting and the the colors and the transforming and the action and the explosions. And it just has a kid's attention from start to finish. But it really isn't very good when you're an adult and you try to go back and watch it. That's kind of the same kind of concept, right? It's like, you know, this... I think the WWE wants to put on a product that kids can just just watch and just zone out and just not question it, just enjoy it. Um, and I have no problem with that. It's just for for me as a wrestling fan, especially one that like you know analyzes wrestling to some degree here on Fightful and stuff. It's like I have to give you my opinion on it as a you know thirty a thirty four year old man, but like you know, so I think it's corny. But like once again, that's that's why I never really bash the WWE. I might not it might not be for me, but like. If a six-year-old kid saw this Judgment Day stuff, they might really like it. And I can't like we're we're gonna find gonna out. We're gonna find out. We're gonna next week, we're gonna see who's correct. If Steven Jensen is right, and if uh all six-year-olds are idiots, or what I think, I think that some of them are smart. And we're gonna be we're gonna prove this correct next week when we have kid Tay. I'm gonna have her watch Judgment Day clips and be like, what do you think of this? And I'm gonna get her opinion on it. And she's going to prove that six-year-olds understand this stuff and WWE should do better. Okay? okay that's what we're that's doing fair. next week. I love it. I love it. All right, let's move on. What's the next topic? CM Punk's injured. More injuries. <laughs> CM Punk's hurt. They're doing an interim <laughs> title. It's going to be John Moxley against Hiroki Goto at AEW. Wonder who's winning that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for the interim title at Forbidden Door, this sucks for CM Punk. It, it's great that like they're they're gonna let him keep the title and they'll just move on and uh, they'll do a big unification match down the line. But it's very unfortunate that um, that that John Ma- or that CM Punk is injured and now can't go on this this world title run. Uh, maybe he should n- cut the stage dive off because apparently that's where he hurt himself. I know he also like he came up lame when he tried the uh, when he tried the springboard clothesline um in the in the six-man tag match so that and he, he slipped off the rope so that didn't look good either but very unfortunate for cm punk to be injured in this falling apart and you know they're doing the interim title they're trying to make the the best of it i'm not the biggest fan of interim titles but i know tony khan does not want um 
he doesn't like vacating titles. He likes to go the UFC route with this, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, which I don't really have a problem with as long as Punk's going to be – like, it, it depends on how long Punk's out, right? Like, if he was going to be out for just, like, a few weeks, then I wouldn't want an, an interim title. But if he's going to be back in, like, three, four months, something like something like that, then um, then I think the – I can't say interim title. Interim title makes sense. But if he was going to be out for, like, a year, then I would just have him vacate. You know what I mean? I think it just depends on how, how soon he'll be back. And I think the expectation is – to unify the titles sooner than later. Like uh, whenever Punk gets back, his first big match, I'm sure will be against whoever the interim champion is. So this is really just a way of establishing a, a number one contender, even though they do have a ranking system to do that. But like, I I don't mind the idea of an interim title for this particular scenario. And it is cool having the involvement of the New Japan guys uh, with this too. But like you said, I mean, it's clearly Tanahashi is going to beat Goto. I mean, it would just wouldn't make any sense for... Like nothing against Goto, it's just it's Tanahashi and like Goto is the, the ultimate option. loser. Goto's the ultimate loser in New Japan. This is what he does. He loses matches. Yeah, especially to like the tippy top level guys. Um, and so I, I personally, I know that Dominion's coming up. We're gonna talk about that a little bit, but like I personally wish this was like Tanahashi versus Okada or Tanahashi versus Jay White or Tanahashi versus Naito or like something like that where there was a there was more, uh, it was less uh, predictable. Because I, you know, clearly they've been wanting to do Tanahashi versus Moxley one on one for a while. Like this was planned, like, like pre-pandemic. I want to say they were like already yeah. teasing that. So like, so that's the match, and I have no problem with that. The match is going to rule, and like the way that they got there wound up being kind of predictable, but kind of not because we'll, we'll talk about Kyle O'Reilly as well. But like, I, it's one of those things where okay, Tanahashi, it's clearly going to be Tanahashi, right? I, I just can't imagine Goto versus moxley being the match but so we're gonna get a badass dream match out of that for the title i think that it was awesome seeing kyle o'reilly last night um he's one of my favorite in-ring wrestlers in the world he was a guy that when he was when when he was in nxt now of course i was a fan of his in, in ring of honor new japan previous to that but like when he was in nxt I was always like, push Kyle, push Kyle, push him as a singles guy, like Red Dragon rules, but like, there's only, there's a, there's a ceiling to Red Dragon. Like as, as much as, I'm going to sneeze again. Oh, Jensen, with the, the torn sniffles. There we go. Try, try to get, get that mute in real quick. Um, I know people complain about that. Sometimes they listen to the audio. If I sneeze or cough or something, I'm trying to get better about that. But, um, but yeah, so. Kyle, I've always been a big, like, I think Red Dragon has kind of a ceiling. Like, they're a great tag team. They're one of my favorite tag teams, like, ever. But it's kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, you have Adam Cole, who has this Owen, this Owen belt, and he's on commentary during Hangman's match, and he's, like, main event level guy consistently. You have Kyle O'Reilly beats most of the roster in this battle royal goes on to the main event, has this badass match with John Moxley. And it's like, hell yeah. Like Kyle O'Reilly can hang with, with the top level guys. Like, you know, you know, there's plans for him. He has like a five-year AEW deal. You know, Tony Khan's got some big singles plans for him. And Bobby Fish is there too. And it's just like, you know, he had nothing going on. It's like, it's like, and I, I, and it isn't anything against Bobby Fish. It's more like I've always viewed Kyle and Adam on the same level and Bobby just a few notches below them. And it's kind of showing right now because do not, do not disparage big dick Bob fish. All right. Hey, don't, don't listen. disparage this man. 
what my point though is that like they should not hold Kyle back by having him be too much of a tag team wrestler right now. Like I think Kyle needs a singles run and he's proven with the Darby match, which was an awesome match with um with last night, the the entirety of last night for Kyle they really should push him as a singles guy. Now for him to tag with Bobby Fish occasionally or even consistently, that that's fine. And AEW is really good about having tag team guys also have singles runs parallel to their tag team runs. I'm totally fine. That's probably best case scenario for, for Kyle is like, you can have him as a part of Red Dragon and you can have him as a part of the Undisputed Elite. Um, and you can have him doing tag team matches. That's fine. But they need to still be pushing him as a singles guy, I think, because there's a, there's a lot of opportunity there, and he's good in the ring with anybody in that company. Like they can have a badass match with him against anybody at any time. Um, so I wanted to really give a shout out to Kyle O'Reilly today, too, because I think he's really breaking out as a singles guy for the AEW audience, and I think that's a really good thing. And uh, so you've got a lot of good stuff coming out of this this tournament. We're seeing New Japan involvement, we're seeing Moxley, you know, that made sense too, with Moxley being the number one contender that he didn't have to do the battle royal. The one thing that was weird was that Hangman wrestled Dave Finley instead of being in the Battle Royal. Like, I know that they that they explained that with him calling out Okada, which that's also badass. Like, that kind of stems from the AEW interim title, too. Like, Hangman feels like he needs to go after the IWGP, US, or IWGP World Championship. So there's just a lot that's come out of this, this interim title tournament for a lot of different people. So... Um, so I think it's the, overall been a really good thing. The battle royal was sort of irritating for me because if you look at the rankings, they, they love these rankings. John Moxley, number one, sure he didn't have to do the battle royal. Wardlow, okay, they explained that he said he didn't want to do it because of Punk and he wants to go after the TNT title. Okay, Adam Cole, I know he's hurt, but I, I guess that was the reason he didn't do it. He he's injured. Hangman Page, I guess he called out Okada. Jay Lethal, he was not in the Battle Royal. Those are the top five in, in these rankings, right? Like they tried Jay to explain top five right now. Yes, yeah, he's that he's, makes you know, no he's, sense. Okay, he's one. yeah. Marina Shafir is top five in the women's division, and oh, all she wild. does is lose on the main on the main show, but she just wins on dark. This is why these rankings yeah. are just they don't mean anything, honestly. That's wild. They, they don't. Brian Danielson and John Moxley are number two in the tag team rankings, by the way. But the they young had Bucks, like a. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What, the, what are the Young Bucks at? Oh, the Young Bucks are five and the Hardys are three. And they're the ones getting getting the title shots. These these rankings and, it, it you know, it makes sense. The Young Bucks, they pinned Jungle Boy. The Hardys beat uh, beat the, the Young Bucks in the pay-per-view. Like, I get it. But this is why I just don't put any stock into these rankings because your five top contenders were not in this battle royal. I understand number one didn't need to be in the battle royal, but the others just weren't in this battle royal to go after the interim title. And to me, even if you try to explain some of it, it also just doesn't make complete sense to me. Um, and that's why I don't put stock into the rankings. I think it's they're kind of stupid. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, by the way, quickly, quickly on him. Uh, I, I, I said this when he was still in NXT. He had those banger matches with Finn Balor. I thought they should have put the title on him then coming out of that feud i thought he should have won that that five way that four way whatever they did at that nxt show that carrion cross ended up winning i thought yeah. kyle o'reilly should have won that they should have gone with him he's a great fit in aw all he does is have great matches i'm not sold on him like personality 
wise. I don't know if he can carry uh, the world title or anything like that. I think for NXT, it would have been fine. Uh, for AEW, there's just so many tip-top guys that, that it's tough to to overlook his uh, charisma or his, his promo skills compared to the other guys. But as far as like in-ring-wise goes, all this guy does is have great matches. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to Kyle Riley. That match with John Moxley ruled last night. Moxley's going to win the interim title, I would imagine. I think it'd be sweet if they put it on Tanahashi, but I would imagine that Moxley's going to win the interim title and then... At some point, he'll face CM Punk. And look, Moxley, I know it's an interim title. It'll be nice to see him with that belt in front of fans because pretty much his entire run the first time around was with no fans. He won the title at Revolution, and then like two weeks later, pandemic started, and he defended it only Daly's place. And now he'll get an interim title run where uh, in front of fans. So that'll be at least good to see. And when they do the match with CM Punk, it's going to be a great match. It's going to be a very good match. So, uh, you know, they're trying to make the best out of it. Hopefully Punk isn't out too long. I know he underwent surgery yesterday and everything was good. So hopefully he's not out too long. And if if they don't want to use the interim title, Steven Jensen, if, you know, if these top five guys, Wardlow, Adam Cole, Hangman Page, Jay Lethal, they don't want to go after the world title. If they don't want to go after the TNT title, they can now go after the Mid-Atlantic champion all atlantic all atlantic. all atlantic sorry sorry i'm confusing all my promotions that tony khan loves here they can go after the all atlantic championship they introduced this new belt last night they're having a tournament with qualifying matches and then a four-way match at the pay-per-view pack uh qualified last night we got miro and ethan page um and we have malachi and penta oscuro uh, qualifying matches coming up, and then we have a New Japan qualifying match, and the winners will all face at Forbidden Door. Do we need another title in AEW? Do we need another singles championship in AEW, Jensen? No, we don't. Um, especially if trios titles are coming. I know that's not a singles title, but like, I'm usually more of the mindset of like less titles is better. Um, the only thing about my so in all honesty, if 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 the TNT title was in a better spot, I might have more reason for wanting the All Atlantic Championship. But I feel like the TNT title is in like a weird limbo right now too. Where like I don't think Scorpio Sky is the best guy to have that belt right now. That's just me personally. Um, and I don't think that Sammy Guevara should either. I think that that I think that their back and forth feud has done more to hurt the title than help the title. Um, yeah, and, said as much. Yeah, true, true, and. And I think it's pretty clear Wardlow is going to get that belt next. And maybe they feel like they need to create this all Atlantic championship so they can have a belt that like actually there's like actual like doubt of like who's going to win and retain and and defend these belts. Because once Wardlow gets that TNT title, like he's not going to lose until maybe it's like a unification with the world title or or an option C type scenario for the world title against Punk or something like that. But they're heading towards Wardlow versus Punk eventually. They've made that very clear. Um, But I don't see Wardlow losing to any anyone else leading up to that um i do like the kind of the worldwide aspect of the all atlantic championship how they they've highlighted you know um all the different countries that all these different wrestlers are from and they're putting together good matchups like i like the idea of penta versus malachi and Nero versus ethan page i love the idea of ethan, of ethan page just doing something like he's been in the background during the whole scorpio sky thing where you know i think he's just getting the shaft and he got I, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not. I know I talked about it on some podcasts, but if I'm Ethan Page, I am 
furious right now with AEW. I'm pissed. I'm trying to get out of my deal with AEW if I'm Ethan Page because they're pushed him so far in the background in AEW when like he should be getting highlighted. Especially like he doesn't need Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky. Like he like he's a great talker. Like and he's great in the ring and like he's the total package. Like he's fine on his own or with he's he's in a weird spot in AEW. But what I'd be really pissed off about is everyone and their dog has an AEW action figure coming out and Ethan Page does not. And he's an action figure collector. He's out there promoting the company, promoting collecting. He's got his YouTube channels and like this guy's not getting an action figure anytime soon. Like there's there's wrestlers who have done far less that are better getting action figures and he's not getting one. And so I if I'm him, I'm pissed off. Like I'm not gonna lie. Um he's gonna get destroyed by Miro. Like there's no way he's winning that match. So um, so he's in a he's in a real weird spot in AEW, in my opinion. Um, I think Pack versus Buddy Matthews is really good. It was like watching that uh, Spider-Man versus Spider-Man <laughs> meme that you always see where they're like right in front of each other and they look the same. Um, yeah, exactly. Like it's like that. And I thought that was really good. So I think we're going to get good matches. <clears throat> and I think that a big part of the reason they're doing this is because they want another title belt at Forbidden Door where they could probably do another New Japan versus AEW match. I'm assuming whoever on the is in the New Japan bracket will probably advance to the finals. Um, they'll have to figure out how to get Malachi out of there, though, without hurting him because uh, they've protected him so much. But um, maybe he wins the whole thing, too. That's possible as well. But um, but yeah, I, I guess to answer your question, I I don't feel like they need this title belt in the company. Um, especially because the, the TNT title, I think, is in a real weird limbo right now. And uh, But I do think we're going to get a lot of good matches out of this tournament. I Can Americans challenge for this title? Is this like, no, a good question. Right now, they don't have Americans in this title picture. So it was the TNT title for Americans only. And uh, in, in the words of JR, is the, the All-Atlantic title just for foreigners? If you ain't American, you're a foreigner to Jim Ross. Uh, so is this title just for foreigners? Uh, I would like some clarification on that. I don't know. I don't think they need another belt. Like they, to me, they don't just do good stories. I don't want it to become a thing. And this was my issue with WWE for years is where they couldn't do stories unless they had a title. And the titles just felt like props to advance stories and to tell whatever story they wanted to tell. And I don't want that in AEW. They've proven they can do stories without titles. MJF was a big thing. Um, but they, they got to, without these titles, I need I need something when, when it comes to these stories. Because the women's division, this is the issue right now. Is like They ain't telling much stories outside without these titles. And even some of the title stories, whatever they're trying to tell, isn't all that good. So I don't want that to become the issue in the men's division either of like, hey, everything needs a belt. Otherwise, we just can't put together anything. Um, Yeah, Ricky Starks is very uh, tough uh, when it comes to, he's in a tough position when it comes to the FTW title. They're probably doing more with that as a championship and they're just not doing a whole lot with that. I don't know. We'll see uh, what they end up doing there. I'll let it play out. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt with this championship, but another singles title in the men's division isn't what I was clamoring for, honestly, when they just don't need it. Like they, they, they book the men's division for the most part. Fine. They do their dream matches and stuff. It just seems like that's all it is. Like, Hey, let's just do these cool matches. Now there's a title. So it feels like it's extra important. So that's it. 
Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll add by saying like that, the, the FTW championship serves literally no purpose for AEW. Like it's cool. that like, like I'm sure it's cool for Starks to have that belt. And it was a cool kind of prop for Brian Cage when the company started and stuff with the, the lineage of that title and the history with ECW and stuff. But like, it just it serves really no purpose on AEW TV that title belt and and I I this this All Atlantic thing wasn't on my radar at all. I figured that when they mentioned the new titles, I figured like it was going to be the trios belt that they've apparently already made. Yeah, those are still coming as well. You know, Tony Khan has said when Kenny Omega comes back, that's when at some point they'll get introduced. So you're going to throw trios titles into the mix. Do you introduce women's tag team titles at some point? Like, is everything just going to revolve around various championships? And then if you add too many championships, then you actually do devalue some of these titles. Because with the TNT title, that was elevated to like, oh, this is a very important title, especially when Cody had it. Like, this title feels very important. It's taken a hit with the Sammy and Scorpio Sky passing it off and their whole feud. It's taken a hit on there. I do think Scorpio can get it back to a certain level, especially if he's going to feud with Wardlow. We'll see, um, but I don't. I don't know what this All Atlantic title is going to bring, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt if it's just the title to do the same matches they've been doing. Except now there's a title attached. I don't know. I feel like they could do more with. with they they could just keep doing that. Just give me some stories with some of this stuff. I care way more about that. Something I can sink my teeth into than. Hey, you should. This match should be important to you because there's a championship on the line. I don't think these titles, at least to me, I'm not a big "this title is important" kind of thing. The title is only important if the story that I can sink my teeth into is important with that title. If you're just throwing a title into it, it's not important to me. Like, look at all of Charlotte's runs in, in WWE. That those title runs don't mean anything because their stories suck. There's no actual meat to what she's doing. It's like, hey, here's this title. Okay, cool. I don't care. Give me something that has some meat to it. Put some meat on these belts. Give me the all meaty title, AEW. Meaty meat man title. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And Because even in like the Attitude Era, there was a lot of title belts, but there was stories that like, like, uh, like even when it when they had it at a point when it was like the world champion, the IC champion, the European championship, the the hardcore championship, the tag title belts, uh, there was still like stories going on. Like I, I still remember caring about guys like like Yellow Brown being the European champion because like I liked his matches and the stories and like it felt like everyone on the card had something that mattered back then. And there were just title belts that kind of like put an exclamation point on things, but like. No, I'm with you. Without good stories, the titles don't mean anything. And that's why I feel like the WWE title belts are right now are so devalued. And I think the only one that really matters is Roman's because that's the only story that's interesting outside of what Cody's doing. But yeah, no. Anyway, that's uh, but yeah, I, I, this all in a championship came out of the complete blue for me. Um, it's kind of random. I don't really see the point in it to be completely honest, but, um, but Hey, we'll let it, I'll let it play out. There you go. Let it play out. Uh, let's move on to our other spotlights. Mine this week uh, is still kind of in the AEW realm. Hangman Page called out Okada, Kazuchika Okada. He wants the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Adam Cole correctly pointed out, hey, by the time Forbidden Door rolls around, he might not be the champion because he has to face Jay White this Sunday at Dominion. 
I would put this belt on Jay White. I don't think they're going to do it. I think you can still do Okada and Hangman without this title. Maybe you do some type of tag. I, I don't know. Maybe you do a four-way with Adam Cole. Maybe you do a triple threat. Um, however they handle it, I would put this belt on Jay White, though. I think since he's returned to Japan at Dantaku and the way that uh, the Bullet Club kind of came back and breathed new life into the Bullet Club or rebreathed life into the Bullet Club with Jay White, I'd put this title on him and let him run with it. I don't think they're going to do it. I think the Okada, the hangman call out almost tips their hand that Okada is going to win. And I don't, I don't quite like that. I understand they want to try to get ahead of the Okada hangman stuff early. I did like that. Um, Adam Cole was like, Hey, no, we have to settle this first. I would go with Jay White at Dominion. I think it'd be a great match. Well, what are your thoughts on who should come out of Dominion as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion? Well, at this point, I, I really do want to see. I mean, I think we're going to get Okada versus versus Hangman either way at this point, too, because otherwise, I don't know why they would have had the call out last night. But I guess it's possible that Jay White could win the title. But then I would want to see Hangman versus Jay White. I want to see Hangman wrestle for the IWGP Championship because at the end of the day, like if that's the that's the reason in his own his own promo. If that's the reason he didn't enter the battle Royal was because he has a site set on the IWGP world championship. Then, then they, and he just doesn't get a title shot at forbidden door. Then like, he just kind of looks stupid. Cause like, dude, you gave up a shot at the interim AEW title and you're not even getting a shot at the IWGP world title. Like what you played yourself, you know, I, I don't think that would be good for Hangman. Um, so I, I'm assuming that Okada will probably defeat Jay White and we'll get Okada versus Hangman for the IWGP World Championship at, uh, at Forbidden Door. But honestly, I mean, if it wound up being Jay White versus Hangman, I remember the two of them having a really good match. It was years ago, but it was in New Japan. And I remember that being one of like, I, I was writing for Daily DDT back, back then. It was a long time ago, but uh, I remember writing an article about like Hangman Page's breakout performance being against Jay White in that match. And that was back when I was saying, like, I, that's when I first started seeing Hangman as, like, a future potential, like, main event, big-time star in wrestling. And a lot of that had to do with the match that he had with Jay White. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm i I'm all for any of the options. But, like, personally, I, I, I would like to see Okada retain over Jay White and then do Okada versus Hangman because – the story is super interesting, and I love the idea of like Rainmaker versus Buckshot Lariat. Like, there's there's a, there's a lot that goes into the match that I think just makes it really cool. And I think that there's there's a chance Hangman could win that. Like, I'd imagine Okada would win and retain the belt, but there's still like reasonable doubt that Hangman could pull that off and become the IWGP World Champion, which could open up a whole lot of interesting possibilities. So. Um, that's, that's what I want to see personally, Hangman versus Okada, especially since Hangman brought it up yesterday. I don't think there's a chance in hell Hangman's winning that belt mm -hmm. uh, because Moxley's probably going to defeat Tanahashi to win the interim title. I don't think New Japan's losing both the big matches. Sure. And that's that's why they're going to split those. However you frame it, they're going to split those. So I, I just don't think that, that Hangman's going to win it. Um like those are the two big singles matches right now. I don't know what else they, they could possibly do. It looks like they're setting up a lot of tag team stuff. I mean, you wanted to talk about Will Ospreay. He made an appearance last night uh, attacking FTR with, with Aussie Open, FTR and Trent. It seems like that's setting up for a multi-man match, which 
not what everybody kind of had in mind when they talked about Will Ospreay being on Forbidden Door. Not even what Will Ospreay had in mind. He's like, yeah, I want to face a, a homegrown AEW guy. Like, like, give me Jungle Boy. Give me Darby. Give me these guys that, like, made their name in AEW. And AEW is like, well, here's FTR and Trent and Rocky in this multi-man match that we're going to do. So I, I don't – maybe they do something else with Osprey. They've got a couple weeks to, to try to reframe it because I guess technically you could do I, – maybe Orange Cassidy is, is back by then. He's advertised for the dark tapings this week, which makes me believe he's going to wrestle. So I don't know if you do Osprey and Orange Cassidy in a singles bout. It seems more likely we're getting United Empire – which would be Osprey, Aussie Open, Cobb, and Ocon. That's five against FTR, Trent, Rocky, and Orange Cassidy. That, that's five. I don't know where Chuck Taylor fits into that. I, I don't know where they're where they're going to go with that. Um, but it seems like they're setting up a multi-man match with, with Osprey. And they're doing one on Rampage, aren't they? Like a, a six-man? Yeah. yeah, they're doing a six-man on Rampage. So... Yeah, I don't know, but I, I do think it was really cool to see Will Ospreay on AEW TV. I, I was literally like, I have a buddy who who comes over every Wednesday to watch Dynamite, and um, I was telling him before the show, I was like, man, it's a shame that like Osprey is probably just never going to be on AEW because like there's a there's a part of the fan base that really really doesn't like him and all this stuff, and then like lo and behold, he shows up that night, and I was like, dude, I can't believe that just happened. Like I was just talking about how unfortunate it is that we'll never get to see this guy in AEW, and here he is. So that was. That was pretty cool. I understand why people have soured on him, but I also, I do and I don't. Like, there's a lot of layers to a lot of the stuff that, the reasons why people don't like him. I think that he is an exceptional in-ring performer. Exceptional. Like, arguably the best in-ring wrestler in the entire world right now. Um, And I want to see him do his thing in AEW. It's wild that he's never really had a platform in the United States before. Like, he's pretty much a, a complete unknown to like the the U.S. fan base, like the casual U.S. fan base, the hardcore fan base obviously knows him, but like the casual U.S. fan base for wrestling probably doesn't know a whole lot about him, and they're going to be mind blown when they see this guy wrestle. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's badass to see him in AEW, and um, I'm glad we finally got it. And I but I do hope it's a singles match at Forbidden Door, but I do think you're right. I think there's a very good a very good chance that it's like a multi man type match, but um, I'm hoping we get more Osprey and AEW going forward. I, I hope he gets his singles match at Forbidden Door. As like you said, as far as performance wise, Will Osprey, he's at the tippy top of, of in ring performers. As a person, uh, there is a lot that I don't agree with him on, and a lot that uh, seemingly has done that does not make him a very good person. But I don't know the man personally. So just going based off the, the stories that have been told and some of his actions as well. Um, your spotlight for the other Steven Jensen, another injury, Matt Cardona. He's hurt, torn bicep out up to five months. He's got NWA always ready this weekend. He says he's going to be there. He was supposed to defend the title against Nick Aldis. Where do you think this is going? Well, I really don't know because Nick Aldis is still going to wrestle for the title in the main event, I'd imagine, or maybe not. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do something where, cause like Blake Christian technically wrestled Matt Cardona at GCW and it was like a minute long. Um, 
I really don't know what they're going to try to do with this. I mean, they were marketing that this was going to be either a cage match or a death match between Cardona, Cardona and all this. And I just, I just don't know what they're going to do. JJ saying Jeff Jarrett's always ready. I mean, it's possible. He is. And you know, Cardona, this is a big part of the spotlight for, for this week um, with me choosing this Cardona stuff is that, you know, he said, and I, I called this weeks ago on this show. Um, he said he wants to wrestle Ric Flair and put the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on the line and be that match in the fairgrounds. And once again, I said this like at least a month ago. I was like, it should be Cardona for like all these reasons. And it looks like that might be what we're getting. And um, I I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen this weekend. It's a huge blow to the show if he can't wrestle, though, a huge, which I'm assuming he won't. I mean, he just had surgery, but like it's a huge blow. I mean, it, it's it's the the event is is one of his catchphrases he is the main event he's the world champion and i'm sorry to you know any nwa wrestlers that might see this or any fans but like it's like cardona's like way up here and like most of the rest of the roster is like way down here as far as like buzz and public perception and you know they, they better have back. they better have a big surprise for this because they're still advertising cardona cardona says he's going to be there I don't know how they're going to deliver on a match. Like you said, he wrestled Blake Christian at GCW, but he really didn't. I don't think Cardona is going to pull a Cody here, especially because he's already undergone the surgery. So like once you have the surgery, uh, it's a little bit tougher to then go out there and like try to do more. You need to rest and everything, especially less than a week after surgery. Um, It's tough to get back out there and rehab immediately. And it's even tougher to just go out there and, wrestle a match uh less than a week after after this kind of surgery they better have something big because they're still advertising this stuff and if you deliver with like here's nick aldis versus vsk here's nick aldis versus tyrus here's aldis versus trevor murdoch that ain't that ain't gonna buy you any goodwill with the fans and they don't have the the best goodwill in the world anyway just with the everything they've done since uh since the pandemic and, and reopening when i don't well, know who it's going to be i was going to say and the way that they finish most of their pay-per-views people buy yeah. these these pay-per-views and the, the ends of the shows are almost always puzzlingly just terribly booked right i mean look they they did the jeff jarrett angle last time and now jarrett is i don't know if he's <laughs> going to return to the company the greatest worker of all time he just he got his money he did an angle and now i don't know if he's gonna return maybe he is the big surprise and like that's that's something i know jj will pop like i'm sure people will pop for that i don't know if it's flair i don't think it's flair i wouldn't have it be flair but sure have flair come in and beat all this and win that world title again and then defend it in his last match against whoever maybe cardona but i don't know if cardona can We'll be ready to do that match. I guess it's still a month and a half away. Uh, I, but I don't know if he'll be ready to do that. I don't know if you you bring in EC3, Adam Share. Like, I just don't know who you're bringing into the territory that's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is the guy that we want here. I don't think Tony, maybe Tony Khan helps him out since Dustin. Like, do we think there's a chance that Dustin shows up and, uh, you know, Dustin ends up getting this belt? from he beats all this for it that's my if they want to do something that still plays off of like history and it still earns them some goodwill with fans and shows that the relationship with AEW is fine that'd be my call is if you can somehow get dustin to come in 
and wrestle all this and you put the belt on Dustin, just don't put the belt back on all this. But if you put the belt on Dustin, I think that's a cool move. I'm not expecting any of that. I'm just expecting all this to just win this and, and beat somebody that is going to disappoint us all. Well, I, I love the idea of Dustin, especially if it's just like straight up like the natural Dustin Rhodes, like no paint and stuff, just him cowboy style or whatever. Like that's, I, I love that idea actually of him winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, my fear is that my this is just I, what I feel like they might wind up doing, and I really don't like this, but I feel like it's an option they might go with. Aaron Stevens is basically saying this is his retirement match against Trevor Murdoch on the show. And maybe Stevens beats Murdoch and the, they make it to where Murdoch versus Stevens, the winner of that wrestles at the end of the show for the title. Cause because like Murdoch is the former champion who is his, the whole story since he's lost the title is him getting another title shot and like working his way towards that. Stevens had a shot at the title a while back and couldn't get the job done but I feel like they might make a story out of the night of like Stevens retiring. So like he beats Murdoch, he goes to the main event. Maybe he even beats all this. And like, he wins the NWA championship when we all thought he was retiring or something like that, or Murdoch beats him and Murdoch winds up in the main event. They do Murdoch versus all this again, which I could see them doing too, but I'd much rather have the Dustin option. I think that's an awesome, I think that's an awesome scenario, but I think it's very likely that they just wind up like the winner of Murdoch and Stevens winds up getting a title shot or something. Uh, Kai says Christian. That's a good shout. Uh, Christian showing up would be cool. I don't think, I, I don't think that's going to happen. But you know, it could. Uh, stranger things have happened. But man, your Stevens and Murdoch thing is is honestly like one of the more plausible scenarios and one of the more depressing scenarios. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like if that's the way it goes, like I get it. I understand why they would do that especially if they couldn't work anything else out but it's like oh man like this is just the state of things where it's like here's nick aldis against aaron stevens or trevor murdoch in the main event for this show just depressing yeah yep i just feel like that's a, there's a chance they could do that and I, i'll say this i think that trevor murdoch is underrated like i actually like trevor murdoch for especially for what the nwa brand is like i i, I think murdoch's a good fit there I've never been a big Aaron Stevens fan, especially like the current gimmick and stuff. It's like, I just, it just isn't for me. Um, I, my favorite stuff he's ever done was like this, the, the, the stunt double type stuff, which was like really way more comedy and really more the Miz being involved with that too. But uh, JJ said it could be tires. It could be, it could be, he hasn't lost in a long time. And you know, he's going to be, he'll heart punch. Um, who's he wrestling Scion at the pay-per-view Sion, I think. Yeah. So yeah, he'll heart punch Scion for sure. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Cause I got about like another five, six minutes before I got to clock in for my shoot job. Uh, Andy spotlight this week, both in the realm of GCW, uh, yours was tournament of survival. Drew Parker winning that We'll kind of group them together here. And Perfect. mine was cage of survival. Um, they, they were kind of, they were back to back nights, drew Parker winning tournament of survival. And like this man, he had a nasty leg injury. The week before didn't matter still decided to do three death matches including a, a no road to barbed wire match in the main event against matt Tremont. also wrestled uh cole radrick and rena yamashita in the yep. in the tournament and create another crazy person another absolute crazy person drew parker just going out there wrestling three death matches a week after it seemed like 
you know, his match had to be stopped because of an injury against uh, Ares. So shout out to Drew Parker for winning Tournament of Survival 7. Yeah, 100%. Especially because, you know, and we're, we've, we've grouped this with Cage of Survival, so this is perfect to talk about both. So, um, you know, the last three years straight, Alex Colon has won TOS. So, like, he was the, the three-peat, and because he was defending the, or sorry, challenging for the Ultraviolet Championship at Cage of Survival against John Wayne Murdoch, he wasn't a part of the tournament. So it opened it up for like a new champion for the first time in four years, which is uh that was cool going into it. And Drew Parker, I mean, he really is one of just the top deathmatch guys in the world. Like he's been killing it in Japan for a long time. And when he was in the States last, I think it was last year when he, like he beat Alice clone for the ultraviolet championship and then wound up uh, losing it. And then clone wound up, I can't remember who Parker lost the belt to though. Cause I don't think he, I don't think he lost it to Cologne and then Cologne won it from someone else. I can't remember. Someone in the chat will know. I can't remember exactly how the title bounced around. Cause I want to say someone beat Parker for it. And then Cologne beat someone else for it. It wasn't Drew Parker. I'm almost positive, but I'm that'll thank you. Um, But that said, like the match was Cole Radrick ruled the match was Yamashita ruled and the match was Matt Tremont ruled. And Drew Parker, I think he was my favorite to win the whole thing going into it. And he he got the job done. And I thought it was I thought it was just a really, really, really well done. It was a great tournament. And Drew Parker was the right guy to win it. And I love that he's back in the States because he's a he's a huge asset for GCW when he's in the States. Uh, so Parker won it and then he lost it to Masashi Takeda. Takeda, uh, that's right. And then Takeda lost, lost like right away, like within like days, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, he, he held it for 19 days. So okay. Very yeah. short reign for Takeda. You also to Cologne. Uh, yeah. like GCW, they're very behind Drew Parker since he returned to the States. He's the guy, for, for those that don't know, that got the flaming super kick from, from Joey Janela. So he was, he was in that spot. He was setting up for, you know, uh, I think Janela even said, like, we were setting up something big for him. And then they weren't sure if they maybe had to scrap that. I assume this was the tournament of survival victory. They weren't sure if they were going to have to scrap that after the the injury against Ares. They clearly didn't. He just wrestled three death matches after the injury against Ares. So GCW very behind Drew Parker since he is uh, returned to the states with the the Janela match, and I assume they're going to continue to utilize him in a big way moving forward. Uh, and then Cage of Survival with Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch. They, so this was going on at the same time as Hell in a Cell, just before Hell in a Cell, right? So I see all these pictures of them setting it up. It, it, it's like part cage. There's light tube ropes. There's glass panes. There's a scaffold ladder on top. Just the craziest setup you can imagine. And people are just like, yeah, hell in a cell tonight. But this is the real hell right here, <laughs> going through this thing. And then they immediately just start the match on the scaffold ladder. And they're punching, kicking each other, mainly punching. And they're falling off of that through uh, glass panes and light tubes and all of this stuff. The finish is a double stomp through the glass tubes uh, f- from the from the top of the cage, followed by a, a chicken wing um, camel clutch that, that Cologne puts them in. And just these men, I, I'll never understand it, but I have so much respect for them. So many light tubes being used, so casual with the light tubes of just... <laughs> One of them didn't break. He hits him like three times with it. And then finally on the third one, it breaks. It's like, geez, it's just so many light. They have barbed wire, spider web nets. 
out there. I don't know how <laughs> fans don't get hurt on this because one side of the cage, there is no cage. Like the, the hard cam side, there is no cage there. This cage of survival stuff is crazy. Steven Jensen. It, it is. I love the finish too that you just described where, where Cologne goes off the top rope with a double stomp through a bundle of light tubes on the chest of JWM. But then Murdoch kicks out at one and the people yeah. are going nuts. And then he puts him right in that Campbell clutch and, and that's it. But um, dude, speaking of the fans, this is so funny. There, there was a death match show um, a few months back and it was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So they're like the, the wrestlers, I can't remember who was in the match, but there was like a lot of light tubes and glass and stuff like all over the place. And they're, they're fighting through the crowd and they're hitting each other with light tubes. And so, so the, the security is telling the fans to like, get out of the way, like, Hey, protect yourself. Like there's going to, there's going to be glass flying all over the place and all this stuff. And everyone gets out of the way, except for this one guy who just stands his ground, right? Like right in front of like these guys just beating the shit out of each other with, with light tubes. And he, he had a, he had one of those, um, like riot helmet looking mask things. And he like, pushed it down in front of his face and just stood there in it. And I was like, this is the craziest fan I've ever seen. Like there's these two wrestlers hitting each other with light tubes. All the fans are out of the way. There's this one, this one dude wearing like a, like a, like a, like a riot helmet, basically in the crowd, just like in it, like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Like, so I thought that was so funny. Like it's funny. Cause like the fans, you want the fans to be safe, but a lot of the fans that go to these shows, like they want to be in it. Like they don't, they they want to be close to the action. They they want to get hit by the by the glass, and they want to get hit by the light tubes and stuff. I mean, they're blood bloodthirsty fans that um this 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 type of stuff feeds their their thirst for for violence. And uh, you know, there's a market for it, and if there's a market for it, I think it's smart that GCW is doing it. They're 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 filling a, a niche uh, fan base with this stuff and. Um, you know, this is, this is the biggest death match tournament of the year, in my opinion, anywhere. And cage of survival was a huge spectacle in itself. And yeah, shout out to Drew Parker for winning TOS seven and shout out to Alex Cologne for becoming the ultraviolet champion. Once again, if you love the death match stuff, if you love light tubes, if you love this kind of style of wrestling and GCW does it exceptionally well and cage of survival, it's a spectacle unto itself it's not always my cup of tea but i watched it i had i had a blast watching it i thought it was very fun and tournament survival was very fun too i can only take so much of the deathmatch stuff so grouping this all together this weekend would have been a lot for me i watched it in kind of spaces and it was much more enjoyable for me that way than trying to watch all of this back to back to back jensen i know you got to run to your shoot job go ahead and uh plug everything you gotta plug all right so uh Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. It's every Sunday, FightfulSelect.com, talking the world of indie wrestling. I I doubt we'll do a fight night for UFC this Saturday, but I'll double check about that. But um, there is UFC 275 this weekend. My boy Glover Teixeira defending the title against Yuri Prohaska and also um, Valentina Shevchenko with another big title defense coming up against Talia Santos. Um, Tuesdays, uh, check out live rounds with myself and Doug. We do a show on the RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel. Uh, we do that at 10, 10 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday. And everything else I got going on, just follow me on Twitter, Fight Talk underscore. Follow me there. I, follow, I always post links and stuff for the stuff I got going on. And uh, thanks for uh, another great show today, Jeremy. I hope you all enjoy the interview with Baron Black that you're about to hear. And Oh, and I'll be at Battle Slam on Sunday. I'll be live in the house at Battle Slam. If you're there in Atlanta, Georgia, come by and say hi. 
I'll be there taking pictures, getting some audio interviews and stuff and, uh, and kicking back and enjoying the show. So, uh, so yeah, see y'all next week. Jensen, thank you as always. Uh, we are going to go to our interview with Baron Black. Uh, he's, we talk uh, Battle Slam, Battle Slam Fight for Atlanta. We talk video games, a lot of video game talk. I try to get him to uh, bury Jonathan Gresham a couple of times. He does not take my bait. Um, try to get him to bury a lot of people, I think, actually. Uh, but we talk yeah, we talk him training wrestlers, uh, different up-and-coming indie talents and things like that. So we're going to throw it over to Baron Black. This was recorded on Tuesday. Uh, this was recorded... No, sorry. This, we recorded this on Sunday. We actually did a weekend. We did a weekend recording. So we recorded this on Sunday. It's airing now. Here we go. Baron Black here on the Creator Spotlight on the Spotlight. Welcome to the interview portion of the Spotlight today. Right here on the Spotlight, Fightful.com. I'm Stephen Denson, as always, with Jeremy Lambert. And we are here with a name you know. He is someone you've seen on all the wrestling television. He is one of the masterminds behind Terminus. He's the madman behind all these battle slam shows that we got coming up and the last one that I was at, he's the emperor Baron black. What's up, Baron. Thank you for joining us, man. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, nothing but preparing for a big, big, big summer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, full disclosure for people watching this, I've been able to attend uh, the terminus shows and the first battle slam show here in Atlanta and I can tell y'all firsthand, it's been a hell of an experience, like really, really fun shows, providing something different in the wrestling landscape. And being some someone who lives in Atlanta, it gives me something to look forward to now to go to all these shows. Um, Baron, for people who might not be familiar with Battle Slam and or Terminus, kind of tell people what, what this brand and, and what this is all about. Because Terminus, a little bit different than Battle Slam, but both providing like really great shows for the wrestling fans out there. Uh, I think it's painfully obvious that Terminus is different from Battle Slam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Terminus will be uh, returning very soon. Um, Be on the lookout for that. And Battle Slam has curved out, you know, a section of his own, bringing together two entities that should have already been collaborating together for years, for, for, uh, you know, years ago. But it's finally happening now, and that's the world of hip-hop and the hip-hop culture and scene in the world of professional wrestling, all under one roof. Yes. And I got to ask right off the top, or I should, I shouldn't. All right. So first show, we had Pastor Troy, which was huge. You've already announced Little Scrappy is going to be there this weekend. So like, how did you get Little Scrappy? Because, you know, growing up in Atlanta, you know, I listened to him. I listened to Trillville. I remember seeing those guys live, like, forever ago. And I, I still love that kind of music. So, like, how did, how did you get Little Scrappy involved in this thing? It's funny you said Trillville because I don't uh, – some people noticed, some people didn't. But that was the uh, one of the themes for uh, Battle Slam Vendetta. Um, it was the instrumental. And I was wondering who was going to uh, peep out and uh, figure out that was Trillville, you know, uh, Ever, ever. <laughs> that was the track. Uh, uh, man, I just basically, um, I just basically stumbled upon uh, both these guys. Um, I wanted to do Battle Slam. I knew what I wanted to do, and uh, those were the first two people I had in mind. And I made some contacts through people contacted me because there was interest in the city itself. 
for an event like this because I have got I had gotten contact by certain individuals in the music scene after Terminus One. So once I was able to put it together, contacted these guys, and these guys were all for it. They're huge wrestling. Getting getting Pastor Troy, when I saw that announcement, I was very excited because vice versa was like what grow in high school, like that's pretty much one of the tracks I just always listened to. So I know you I know you told the jobber Sean Ross Sapp how they came together and vice versa and everything. Now you know you're dealing with the A team now, not not the B team, right, Sean right, Ross Sapp. Right. Uh but what have you learned from the first show and then going into the second show this weekend? Like, what are the, what are the things that, okay, I can improve on this. This worked well. Let, let's continue this. Like, what did, what did you take away from the first show heading into the second show? Uh, that um, be prepared to audible. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared to audible. Uh, everything with the first show went very smooth. It's just that we, we, we did start a tad bit behind you know but it had to do with you know some people more than one individual you know coming in a little bit late so you know this time we have stuff and parameters in place for that so therefore we won't be uh starting late like we did last time but once we started everything was moved butter. you know what i'm saying yeah, what's the feedback been like? Because uh, last time we talked was at the event, but now since then, uh, Battle Slam Vendetta has aired, and we've had like the you know the feedback from the fans. What's the feedback been like uh, that you've seen for it, Baron? Uh, the feedback's been outstanding. Uh, I don't know if you watched the premiere day yeah. when it premiered, but it was a lot of people engaging about Battle Slam online. So. I was happy to see that everybody wants to see another one. Um, the growth of the uh, social media channels doubled or more. So obviously the first one was something everybody liked they saw. So it's very going to be uh, exciting for everybody to see this next one, especially when we got, you know, the likes of a legend like Luke Scrap. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can, can you, can you let us know, like, Will this show be starting off with a musical performance like the last one? Is that something you can tell us? Like, I'm trying to get prepared for being there live. Like, I want to know kind of what I'm going to be seeing. Nah, I kind of just want to just, you know, people show up, you know, experience the vibes. And then when we start off, just, you know, be ready for whatever happens. You know, I don't want to give it away. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. And and just for those of you who uh, maybe haven't heard myself and Baron do our interviews up to this point, the Oasis Event Center, I think, has been a great venue for y'all. How did you find that place? And what's your relationship been like with that venue? Because I, I have to imagine they're pretty happy with how things are going over there. Uh, I just stumbled upon that venue, actually, uh, because it's funny. I had that venue down because the goal was always to try to run multiple venues spread around, you know, the success in the word of terms Battle Slam. And I had that venue on the list. And Battle Slam, uh, Terminus 2, not Battle Slam. <clears throat> Terminus 2 was booked at a different venue. And some problems occurred with that venue. Um, and full disclosure, I can talk about it now. We ran into problems with the venue a week and a half before Terminus 2. So you can just imagine the, the hair pulling out my hair and rushing, trying to find another venue. 
And then I looked back at my list. I said, oh, these guys were interested before. Let me see what it's like. And I called him up. He was open. I said, I'll take it. Can I just do a walkthrough? Because I seen it actually five months prior. They actually did upgrades in that time. So when I went there, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, y'all upgraded everything in here. This is awesome. I'm like, I think we're going to stay here. And the owner wanted to hear that because he, he, he um, you know, like a lot of people still recovering from the pandemic, you know, and uh, he was like, yeah, whatever, whatever day I want, just let me know. And the rest was history. So now we just said, oh, this is the main center, you know, unfortunate, you know, that it happened that way with the other venue, but things happen for a reason, right? Was it Jonathan Gresham's fault with the terminus to the issues with the, with the venue? Cause I, I watched your interview with you did with uh, him and Sean and he is trying to figure out technology. He's not, you know, you, you were clowning him to calling him looking like Urkel trying to figure this stuff out. So, so it wasn't his fault. He just, he maybe just pressed the wrong button and then the whole venue thing went up in smoke. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you know, I would love to blame it on him and his lack of, uh, paying attention to anything tech-wise. But uh, this was strictly nobody's fault but the venue we were dealing with before. So it's uh, it was it was really a nerve-wracking thing because we had a whole show set, booked, everything. <laughs> and we had to find another building within 10 days. That was it. And I pulled it off somehow. So... Um. Glad I got I got sorted out. Sounds like it sounds like a great venue. I know when I watched the the premiere, like it it looked very well on on fight. Like it looked very good. So uh, kudos to you for for pulling pulling that off. And I look forward to the the second show this weekend. Uh, when it comes to like in terms of booking talent, we got some people returning, uh, but a lot of new talent as well. And I think for for most people, like private party is the big one here. Like when it comes to booking talent, what what is your thought process and who you're going to book and who you're going to pair up against each other? Uh. My thought process is uh, really I just want to create moments and I want to create, you know, great wrestling matches. That's that's really my first and foremost. And then also a priority is for people who actually like the hip hop scene, who love the hip hop scene, who are influenced by the hip hop scene. So some, some people like Lee Moriarty and Myron Reed and, you know, Leo Rush, people like that and who also people who want to celebrate the hip hop scene and also is in the wrestling scene. So those are the things I look for. Uh, those are like the top three, four things that I look for for uh, putting together a show. But I think uh, I think uh, matchups that we came up with and the talent came up with, uh, it will always be at Battle Slam, you will always see some new faces and some old faces just to keep stuff, you know, new and fresh. And because there's a lot of people out there who are influenced by hip hop that are actually professional wrestlers. So I also want to, you know, make sure they get a shot as well. And uh, create some interesting matchups, create a great dynamic to where the show ever feels stale. It always feels like something new and exciting. Well, speaking of something new, something I definitely didn't expect to see, um, I've been following Adam Priest for, for quite a while, and when he entered to Lemonade by Yuchi Man, that place went nuts. Nobody saw that coming. The uh, funny part about that is that he was actually with track use, and he sent Lemonade, and he sent another track. And I was like, I think Lemonade is the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think Lemonade's the one, and then uh, he he agreed, and uh, and then the rest was history. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny watching like AC Mack and those guys who were like in the crowd hanging out during the show, and like they're all like, "I think he's gonna blow the speakers out because like the ba- the bass in that song was so strong." And, and the funny part is, he sent me the track, and it's somewhere he found a bass boosted version. <laughs> and he so I was like, "Why the fuck?" <laughs> Why did you send us the bass boosted version? You nearly broke everything in the arena. <laughs> that was so good. It's so unexpected. So something else that I didn't expect, and I wanted to know your feed the feedback on this, because I forgot to ask you about this when we were when we were together last. Uh the the sound effects, like during the match, like the burr, 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 and all that stuff. Did did people did, did people like that? Were they indifferent about it? I thought it was funny, like you know, because it was just something different that like kind of highlighted certain parts of the show. But kind of where, whose idea was that, and like, what's the feedback been? Is that something we're going to see going forward? Do you think with the Battle Slam shows? Um, any and everything, down to every last detail, is a brainchild of mine when it comes to Battle Slam. Battle Slam is completely something that was in my brain since a child. So everything that happens a part of it. Uh, as far as content, anything, it, it all came from this big ass forehead that you see on your screen. <laughs> but um, the sound effects thing was like, uh, those sound effects are really synonymous in the hip hop world, especially on mixtapes and, and, and stuff like that during parties, doing live DJ, you know, broadcast over the radio or at the club. You always hear those sound effects. So I was like, I got to incorporate that somehow. And then I came up with the idea of, because sometimes when you play the old wrestling games, Def Jam, Vendetta, Def Jam, Piper, and, and Y, sometimes you will hear those sound effects. So I was like, well, I guess we can do it that way and see how it works out. And and it worked out pretty damn well because everybody loved it. <laughs> so, how much was how much of that was influenced from from battle rap? Because I, I watch a lot of battle rap. You hear the sound effects. You hear the Don DeMarco drops. Like, how much influence? not only the drops, but just the show in general, like comes from battle rap as well. Uh, a lot, like anything in hip hop culture, uh, that is very synonymous and popular. I wanted to try to incorporate into the presentation of battle slam. So when we seen Max Caster and, uh, Myron Reed rap, you heard the sound effects that you normally hear during a battle. (laughs) So, um, it was great. That turned out really good. I, I, I'm a. I used to do a battle rap podcast, so I, I got to ask, like, how much battle rap do you watch, and like, who are your, who are some of your favorites? If you, if you watch enough of it, I don't watch enough. I, I, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember back in 106 and Park Freestyle Friday days. That was my battle rap days. Um, after that, I, you know, after that fell off, you know, I kind of just didn't watch battle rap like that. I actually watched a battle rap contest that was actually in Atlanta a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it was called March Madness or something like that. I can't can't remember the, the name of it or what, what the league was called, but it's actually a battle rap league that tours and came to Atlanta. So I was like, oh, I'm going I'm to look at this. I looked at it online. I was like, it was pretty cool. So um, I don't follow the scene much, so I can't tell you no names of no people or nothing like that. But. Um, I am a fan of battle rap. If, it, if a battle rap broke out, I'm 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 right in the middle instantly. That's what I'm doing. 
Yeah, so so some of these matches I, I think are like gonna be I don't I don't even know what the match of the night is gonna be, and I think that's kind of the point, right? Like these are it's a stack show that I'm seeing here for for fight for Atlanta. And one of the matches that really sticks out to me is the infantry versus the Russell Twins versus Work Horsemen. I think that's gonna be a banger of a tag team match. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on because I know you're the mastermind behind this. Like, how did this come together? Cause I, I think this is a match that like wrestling fans all need to have their eyes on. Uh yeah, it's actually a four-way. Is the is the who am I missing? The team oh, C4. Little... Sorry, Russell Twins C4 <laughs> War Horseman and Infantry. I got you. I got you. I missed yeah. one there. I apologize. It's going to be uh, of course the infantry, of course, C4, who are the prestige tag team champions. Um, the Russell Twins, which is a very talented tag team that recently was on AEW Dark Elevation. Um, and uh, and of course, Workhorsemen. I don't think I need to <laughs> hype them up anymore. <laughs> so we, we know who the workforcemen are. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, uh, the free for all eliminator, the terminal eliminator match, those were really something that uh, is a brainchild of mine. And I was like, you know what, I, I wanna up the ante with with, with the four way uh, mindset. I wanna up the ante with the four way, uh, you know, concept of the match so i was like you know what why don't we just do a tag a little bit <laughs> and there that's what we were born i was like i got to get the four uh badass teams that that that, that i know and i'm uh i'm gonna see what we could get cooking what we could get popping so i came up with the tag team eliminator match um which has to basically the same uh similar rule set uh Everything will be explained, of course, during the show. Similar rules had the tag team turmoil, but a little bit different. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one because uh, all these teams uh, are pretty damn dope, to be honest. With you. So, now I know a lot of the, the the stylization, the art, it comes from the the Def Jam series, the the video game series. So, who is your character in those games? My character was definitely DMX. I love D-Mob, that was my guy. Um, I played a little bit with Ludacris. Um, in the, this is just the first game, I'm, I'm gonna get to the second. Um, believe it or not, I played with Manny a little bit. I, I, I don't know why. I feel sorry for him. I guess I played with him when I was a child, I don't know why. Yeah, Manny, uh, Luda, um, Moses from the first game. That that was my guy. <laughs> that was my guy. Him, Chuckle. Uh, I played with way too many people. Oh, uh, <laughs> but, but who I, who did I pull out when I want to bust a ass? I pulled out DMX. That was my guy. I pulled. Yeah. Now, I know you're a big time gamer, Baron. I gotta ask you, what's your favorite video game system of all time? I'm wearing a Nintendo 64 shirt right now, but I want to know what your favorite video game system of all time is. Man, that's really difficult, man, because that in 64, man, it, it it gave me some wonder, but it gave me some wonder, you know what I mean? Yeah. My 007, you know, Perfect Dark, Jet Force Gemini, you know what I'm saying? Donkey Kong Country, Diddy Kong Racing, you know, Mario 64, Mario Kart 64. I can keep going all day, you know. Yeah, I mean? like, no, 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 no. We can say, yeah. I, I love this. So. <laughs> it, it gave so much, but man, but uh, of course, no mercy. 
you know, WrestleMania 2000, WCW NWO World Tour, WCW NWO Revenge. See, I, you, you yeah. play me. I, I, I know my, I know my shit now. Look, look, that's that's I had all that stuff. Um, but you, sixty-four will be tied first, it, and it will be between probably the N sixty-four and maybe ps2 which switch is, is really getting up there very yeah you know, a lot of games that are really up there with the games that i love you know what i mean like super mario odyssey i love the same way i love in mario 64 mario kart 64 same way i love mario kart 8 deluxe you know Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild. It's like it's almost mirroring each other. You see what I'm saying? So yes. it's like, then we're getting a sequel to it. And one of my favorite franchises right now, Bayonetta, it's like, that. that's my heart. <laughs> so I'm finally getting my third sequel. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, I'm a real fan, big fan of that. So Switch is kind of coming up there. And of course, PS2, you know, the SmackDown. <laughs> the SmackDown yeah. versus okay. You already know. You already know. Yeah, that. yeah. We're we're so, very much in the in a similar wheelhouse when it comes to our taste in video games. Like I I grew up on all that stuff. I, I the, the PS2 has such a near and dear place in my heart as well because there were so many games for that system. Like that like that it was like a never ending influx of just always having stuff to play on that system. And uh, I have a Switch as well, and I really like it too for the same reasons you do. It's like having almost updated versions of the games we loved growing up on. So I think that's really mm -hmm. cool. The, the, those, those are your systems. Because those would be some of my top ones as well, for sure. Yeah. Jeremy, definitely. what about you, man? Video oh, I, I'm i not a big Switch fan. I Because I, I play too much sports games, and they don't really have, like, the sports games that I like on Switch. You can't, oh, you can't be playing, like, so 2K wait, 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 and, like, wait. NH. Go ahead. You play 2K and what? Oh, I, I play 2K, I play NHL, like I'll play Madden. Like those are about the only games that I play. It's like NBA 2K and NHL are like the only games that I play. And 2K on the Switch ain't 2K on the PS5. It, it's just it's hey, a hell, lot wait, different. Wait, 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 wait. 2K on the Switch is actually a pretty damn good game. That's the it's only not, good sports game. I brought the first bad. one. I have it on what? the Switch. I have it on the Switch. Like it's not bad, but it's a different experience on the PS5. It's a much different experience. Oh yeah, I mean PS5. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's, that's a little bit of a difference. But I was actually yeah. shocked. I actually was shocked. Well, I wasn't too shocked, but I was actually shocked uh, how well they got that game on on the yeah. Switch. You know what I mean? So I was like, I, I I bought it every time. I was like, that's really the only sports game worth buying on the Switch is um. Uh, you know, yeah. official game. I don't know how MLB is. I didn't try it out yet, but NBA 2K definitely. See, though, like they're not bad on the Switch, but then you play it on the PS5, and it's like, oh yeah, this is this is just a much different experience. And I like to I like to play my my console. I, I have kids. The kids love the Switch. That's all they play. They play the Pokemon and the the Legend of Zelda and the Mario games. So I'll play that with them. And they beat me so bad that I just give up and I don't like playing with them because I'm not good at them. And then they talk that trash. And then I, I don't I, I sulk in a corner because they just beat me so bad at them. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, we can't uh, gloss right past this. Baron, who's your favorite Pokemon? I'm, I'm so turned off by Pokemon right now. <laughs> really? I saw you tweeting about it. That's why I was asking. 
Huh? I saw you tweeting about Pokemon the other day. That's why. You're instigating right now. That's why. I'm so turned off by Pokemon, man. It's I don't even want to talk about it so long. Okay. Like for a franchise that's been, it's such a generational franchise. You know, so many generations are into it because it lasts that long. And I'm like, at, at this point, it should be certain, it should be a certain expectation level of experience that we should be getting. And it ain't hitting that for me. So I, I, the last one I bought was Sword and Shield. I regretted buying Sword and Shield. <laughs> so I'm, I'm officially done for a while. You know what I mean? And my, my favorite Pokemon, I'm gonna keep it real old school. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Pidgeotto was my favorite Pokemon. So every time I bought a Pokemon game, I always got me a Pidgey. I always beat them up like a motherfucker. <laughs> so that was my Pokemon, man. So, but right Pokemon now, I'm just. Pokemon ended after 150 or 151, I guess. Like once they went past that, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Too many to keep track of. Can't do it anymore. Just yeah, it was way too many to keep track of. That was one of the problems. But the games never really took that evolution leap that it should. So that was my main issue. I've heard Arceus is good. I, I've played a little bit with the kids. The, the the oldest loves it. He's big into Pokemon. So he thinks Arceus is like the greatest game everybody. You know, he doesn't have the experience like we have of playing on the little Game Boy and, and walking around. Like he doesn't understand the that what we had to go through of like these little his little characters trying to find everything. Arceus is big open world stuff that he thinks is great. So yeah. maybe if you if you like the open world stuff, Arceus, maybe give it a try. Maybe it'll bring you back in, Baron. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> See, what we had to go through was the generation, right? Of like of like the link cables, like linking up your Game yes. Boy with someone else's Game Boy so you could transfer Pokemon <laughs> from Game Boy to Game Boy. And I, I thought like that like the technology wasn't ever gonna get past that. Like I was like, this is this is peak right here. Um, but yeah, some some good times. Man, I could talk about video games all day with you, Baron. But I do want to ask you another question about this battle or the uh, battle slam fight for ATL card. Um, Tasha Steele's Queen Aminata. That is a great, great matchup. I think uh, the Queen is still a little flying a little under the radar. Like I think she could be like massive star in wrestling, and I think that Atlanta always shows up for her. And Tasha Steele's, of course, Impact Knockouts champion, one of the top in the game right now. Um, how does it feel that you were able to put this match together? Because I think this is an awesome matchup. I felt good. I had it in the back of my mind for a minute. Because um, I knew Queen Aminata was going to be with us for a while. She was, you know, um, she was supposed to be at the first tournament show, but she was injured. So she ended up debuting on the second one. Uh, so I, I knew she was going to be, you know, with us for a while. That's what she wanted to do. And I was like, well, I, I want to get, I want to uh, hopefully get to a matchup that will be big, you know, you know, have her, you know, be at a few shows and then we're going to hit a big matchup. And then, you know, I was thinking about Tasha. I knew Tasha for a while. You know what I mean? We, um, we, we both used to be around Ring of Honor back in the day, you know, trying to break in. Um, so it's, it's cool to see where she landed and where I landed now. So. I always had her in mind because I always thought she was really good. And um, so when the opportunity finally presented itself, finally, you know, contacted her and she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm like, yes, I'm going to be able to do this. And this is going to be one of the, probably the best women's matches of the year. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. 
uh, I'm, I'm going to get you out of here on this, Baron. What's the coolest thing, either in your room or in your house? The coolest, coolest thing. thing you have in your yeah, like the coolest. We ask everybody. We ask. We ask everyone. Yes. We ask. Everyone. This is just this is a running thing on the show. So we yeah. I know you got cool stuff, man. You're a gamer. You're a wrestling fan. You're I mean you're hip hop fan. You gotta you gotta have something cool in there. I don't really call it cool because everybody has a game console these days, so you can't, can't really. And I got four of them. Um, <laughs> the coolest thing. I don't know. I guess I can say I have this. Uh, this giant sized Vegeta figure that's sitting on my entertainment system. Oh. Right next to my game console. I'm a big Vegeta fan. I'm a Vegeta mark, so. <laughs> so I have this like cool, you know, Super Saiyan God Vegeta. You know, it looks really cool. And, uh, you know, I have him watching over all my consoles. So, no, so none, none of them Toy Story, you know, toys fuck with it, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. You never know when you're not when you're not looking and not around. Those toys might start moving around at each other and you know cause cause some problems. Um I, I did want to ask you um as well. I know that you're you're training wrestlers and how's your experience been like with the training process of like helping develop other talent? And is there any names out there that maybe aren't so well known now that like you want to throw out there to keep your eyes out for in the future? Uh yeah, I, I do. Uh, help train other wrestlers. I, you know, I have certain wrestlers that are, uh, you know, that I'm pretty close with. Um, you know, we, we, we train, uh, every week over at the nightmare factory in Atlanta. So, um, but you know, one of the, one of the names I'll probably say is Steve Taylor. That's, that's really, that's my guy there. So, <laughs> um, I know he surprised a lot of people at the last, that, uh, death jam show, not death jam, battle slam show. Um, <laughs> So I, I was really happy with how he turned out, and, and hopefully they 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 get to see what he can do even more on the on this next battle slam show. So that would be one of the first things. There's there's other there's other names that uh, that I will disclose later. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, the talent that you're going to see pop up this year coming, you know, that I deal with. Or coming from Nightmare Factory, going to surprise. You got some real, real, real potential and talented folks that that, that are going to pop out on this thing very well. Looking forward to it. I love what you are doing there at the Nightmare Factory. So much good talent coming out of there. It's been awesome. It's been awesome to see. Baron, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, any last plugs? Let everybody know where they can find you out on social media. Let everyone know how to uh, check out Battle Slam this weekend. All right. So. Battle Slam this weekend. As you already know, by the time you watch this, we'll be streaming live on Fight at 7 p.m. Sunday, June 12th. Let's go. So, All right. To watch Very it good. live for the first time. Um, and I hope you all tune in because it's so it's a banking card, number one, from top to bottom. And there's some nice little surprise store for you so you enjoy the first one come out pick up the live pay-per-view on fight tv you enjoy terminus 2 come out or pick up the live pay-per-view on fight tv i promise you this is going to be one of the best shows in the history of atlanta professional wrestling there i'm looking go. forward to it i'll be there live everyone i'll be there live i'll take pictures i'll get some interviews for y'all 
I mean, I'm super pumped. I mean, Private Party versus Casey Navarro and Myron Reed could be a match of the year. Leon Ruff versus Dante Martin could be a match of the year. I mean, there is there is this banger after banger. Baron, have you announced your match yet? Who are you going to be wrestling? Or are you still waiting on that one? Or do you want to tell us? Um, uh, it has not been announced, but by the time this airs, it will be announced. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, and I'm gonna keep you in suspense. You know, what I'm okay. saying I'm- that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Guys, check it out again. Baron, Baron just said it. It's streaming live on Fight TV, June 12th, 7 p.m. Support, support Battle Slam. Support everything Baron is doing with that, with Terminus, with AEW. Uh, we appreciate him joining us. Say, follow him on social media, on Twitter at the Impra. He's probably yelling at Jonathan Gresham about something. Uh, we appreciate it, Baron. Again, thank you again. We'll be right back here on the Spotlight. As again, Baron Black, he will his match was announced. He'll be facing Zinchi at uh, Battle Slam on June 12th. We appreciate Baron coming on, doing the show, doing the interview with us. We will have coverage of Battle Slam on June 12th. We'll have some articles running. We've already got one up uh, running with from the interview we just did with Baron Black. And thanks to Baron Black. Everyone, check out Battle Slam on June 12th live on Fight TV. Guys, we appreciate everyone joining us here today on the Spotlight. Jensen and I will be back next week talking all things professional wrestling from WWE, AEW, the Independence. Uh, other big companies like NWA, New Japan, MLW, maybe, maybe, probably not, but maybe, you never know. Um, as again, thank you. Everyone can head over to Fightful Overbooked. We got a bunch of cool stuff going up there. Day After Dynamite uh, is live later this afternoon with Will Washington and a special guest. We'll see if I do a run-in on that show and talk to my vacation plans with Will Washington. We'll see. I got I to gotta nail down some vacation plans with Will. Um yeah, thanks guys. Head over to Fightful Overbooked. Go support, go subscribe. I just put a video up uh, investigating the wizardry claims of Chris Jericho. Everyone can check that out. Guys, thank you, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. We'll see y'all next week. Have a good weekend, everyone.